Queer Alien Blast. Uh, today we are going to recap uh, episode 305. And unfortunately, uh, Amanda couldn't be with us this week. But fortunately for us, we have Katie, our sound editor, who's joining us today. And uh, let's just get started. So let's start with talking about um, Max healing Kyle. Uh, I f- like I was traumatized you know at the end of the episode because we've talked in our recaps this season about being sure that Kyle is the one that's dying or Kyle's the one that's leaving and I thought you know the rational part of my brain was like it's too early for him to die but then of course I was like no they've killed Kyle um so I was a little disappointed at how quickly that was kind of resolved um but I'm glad Kyle's not dead yeah I completely agree I was like I thought we were at least going to see you know some consequence to you know and we didn't see any of it um which I guess was the point because we still um Kyle might still be the victim um and I think we'll talk about later um about the last scene with Maria as well but um the scene with Max was really good. I always think they have a lot of chemistry. The morning after scene was great. He could have he slept gave in the him bed. a squishy to cuddle with on the couch. Like that that's was so really cute. cute. He could have like, slept in yeah. in the bed. Honestly, I like that he had that stuffed animal just like sitting around. For- <laughs> yeah, use, right? you know that's Isabel. You know that's Isabel. Yeah, I mean, I I would have liked to have seen some higher stakes it was just so low stakes because you knew it was gonna be resolved um the one thing that I'm a little bit interested in I guess that we didn't really see play out further was um was when he racist man number one what's his name Jordan Gordon, blonde guy, uh, saw him at the rally and looked a little confused for a minute and Kyle just gives him the big dick energy stare down. Um, But then also you would think sort of along the same vein of Wyatt seeing Rosa thinking like, I saw you, you couldn't have survived that or you couldn't be at least you at the very least you couldn't be upright standing right now. So what the hell? Um, I thought we were going to see some more progression from there, but we didn't. So I think that it's going to come up later. Like Jordan is really being made out to be one of the villains this season. And I can't imagine that this doesn't come back at some point, like whether it like Jordan, like fixates on it. And then like, I don't know, but I think it's going to come back later, but it was weird that it was just like, I saw you get stabbed and pretty much die, but you're still here the next day, whatever. It's fine. Um, just, I think it's another example of the, the town of Roswell just being like, I don't see it when weird shit happens. All right, let's talk about uh, Liz and Max 
a little bit. Um, we find Liz in LA apparently having a heart attack and because they are apparently years later still tethered to one another, which is a little, I, I wish that, and uh, no worries, Elena mentioned this and I was thinking the same thing. I wish they would explain how the, the handprints work and how, what the rules are because the last time that Liz was healed was what? two years ago ish and the handprints faded so how do they still have that connection other than like some you know cheesy like soulmates thing yeah i guess max did touch her um at the drive-in but it was so brief i don't i cannot see how that would have created any connection unless you can bring up past connections and past handprints but I don't know. It doesn't really make sense with the um, um, canon of what they told us so far about the endprint. If fades after a few days or weeks, now Rosa's lasts lasted longer, but Max was also in stasis, so that you know created a bit of of lag, I guess. Um, it, it's very confusing. Very confusing that. It influences her that much. Now, the situation is different. Max is also dying. His heart is fading, whatever. So it's not exactly like season one. Um, again, I haven't rewatched the episode, but isn't Max also confused? Yeah. So that I don't know. I don't know how that works, honestly. I guess I just thought that if it was affecting Liz that much, it should be affecting Kyle that much. Which is when he started to focus his healing energy on Liz, right? Right. So it was almost- It shouldn't have before. It just seems like they haven't, they haven't nailed down, (laughs) I don't think, the rules of the handprint yet. And so it's being used in a way that's convenient for the storyline, which I'm, I'm also not mad at, but at a certain point you have to tell me what's, you know what is it why does it happen how long does it last is it a recurrent thing like what's you know um i don't think we've ever seen the handprint on two people at the same time so that might be that might give give them a little bit of a, a space in the sense of how they define the handprint um then again it doesn't make sense that Liz has a handprint right now so i don't know i have no idea i mean i guess they're just trying to like push this idea that of, you know, Liz and Max and their connection and their, you know, soulmates, which is fair. If that's what they need for their narrative, I, I'm willing to hand wave it since they, to be fair, like Max and the rest of the pot squad don't really know how their powers work. So we don't know the extent. So I guess that's fair. Um, So let's talk uh, while we're talking about echo, let's talk about that conversation in the cave, um, which I thought was probably one of the most honest conversations they've ever had and I really loved that Liz was a little more self-aware at the end of this episode um I loved the conversation I loved her talking about how they just continually hurt each other and that they're not in a healthy place and um I as a Malik shipper I kind of loved the parallel with you know Malik's is cosmic and Echo they were talking about like orbits decaying so you know we've got this you know, space theme on an alien show, shocking. I knew you'd still be here. 
Thank you for saving my life. That is the least I can do to return the favor. I was um, sitting in my room trying to recover from almost dying, and I realized I never got a good look at the reason we're not together. Well, the reason for that is far more complicated than a man in a pod. You mean like the fact that we can't stop hurting each other no matter how hard we try? I'm sorry. I never meant to do what I did. You aren't the only one hurting people. I was terrible to Heath today. And in a moment where I had to choose, I chose you. I knew what that would do to him, but I sent him away anyway. Because I had to for all of us. But also because I couldn't stop thinking about you. The connection between us, it's hard to break. It's... We're caught in each other's orbits. Orbits decay. And eventually everything in them spirals away and burns up. So what's that saying about us, Max? About what we are doing to the people around us? But I, just, I really loved that conversation. As sad as it was, I'm... I feel like that conversation needed to take place for Echo to move forward later. Yeah, um, two things, exactly what you brought up about Malik's, because we're always like, why is Malik the tragic one? And, you know, Echo always have this, this romance, super romantic scenes that they don't really have those um, intense fights. Um, and I'm glad to see that, someone find it in one of the actual you know a part of the ship and knowledge that they're actually pretty a pretty tragic relationship i mean their timing is never right um they have very different um life experiences life views so uh, i'm glad it was a knowledge on the show because it, it's it's really clear from an audience point of view but i don't think the show except for the like the season two finale which was very very clear like their breakup um but i think it's kind of the first time that we actually see and maybe have a doubt of do are they planning on like going getting back together like is this something that could work um and so that's one thing the other thing is that conversation i liked it but it actually it was actually the conversation that convinced me that Max wasn't Max because he had no idea what she was talking about he was like yep mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah whatever uh-huh yes that thing yeah sure I know what you're talking about sure yeah uh huh mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was like in Italy we say when you don't know what to say you just nod and smile and that was the situation he was he was in so that's the conversation that convinced me that they actually some kind of swap happened I don't know how but it happened Totally. It was, um, I don't necessarily look at it as a conversation so much as, as Liz coming to a verbal realization about the kind of uh, status of the relationship and where things are at and everything. I loved her line about orbits decaying. I just think of it as this thing where she's, she's almost coming to terms with the fact that, that they mean this, this um, cosmic thing to each other, I guess. Um, but may, that's not enough. Like you, it needs, there needs to be more there. Um, 
And I just the whole time was going, honey, you're talking to Jones. Like I like, you know, if, if you had given him an opportunity to respond maybe you would have noticed that. But um, I think it was good for her ultimately, because it was, you know, we saw her in, in the third episode really kind of talk about um, how she was still feeling for him and almost going down this road of, you know, if he had given in in that moment, they probably, they might've gotten back together and it clearly wasn't the right time. Right. <clears throat> so having her kind of reflect on that, take it away um, and come to this realization where, you know, they have more work to do before they can do that. Um, I think that was a really positive moment. Yeah. I think we've uh, covered this already, but the next thing is a comment from Murphy Vi that uh, was asking, you know, do we think Max is Max? And I mean, obviously it's not Max, like either Jones is controlling him or, you know, some kind of swap is going on, which I'll be interested to see how he did that since he's still also Jones. Um, but no, he's very obviously not Max. So I think Max is still in there somewhere. There was an interesting callback to season one, uh, where they were asking him, you know, when he wakes up and they're asking him how he feels. And he says better than I have in a long time, which is an exact mirror to that line that he has in the, I think in the finale, um, after they kill Noah. So I think Max is in there somewhere. Um, but I think Jones is in there with him and it's, it's sort of a, at this point, it's a battle of wills is, is my best guess. So do you think is controlling him more than actually body swap? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I could only I, because Jones is still Jones. Right. Like if it was a body swap. I feel like, I feel like Max would be in Jones's body and he'd be like, Hey, it's not, he'd be banging on the pot or something. Right. Yeah. 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 Cause what I couldn't figure out is if they just swap places, when did they do that? Cause there wasn't really a moment in the episode where they were alone and they could swap. So they always had someone there. Like it was either Liz, Kyle, um, Michael, Isabel, like Michael and Isabel were there the whole time when he uh, woke up. So, you know, I couldn't really, so it might be, that might be interesting. I think the thing actually... that makes the most sense is that Jones's body is still in that pod mm -hmm. and his is was like kind mm -hmm. of in the healing. Yeah, I agree. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, that would actually make sense with the mythology of the show as well. All right, let's talk about Liz and Kyle. And um, I wish that Amanda was here because you know she's captain of the Kyla's ship. Uh, I loved that last scene with them uh in her room I'm glad that she's finally like apologizing to Kyle and really seems to mean it uh because she has been objectively awful to him for a while now and um so that was really nice to see because we always all want everybody to take care of Kyle I think I've seen people talk about how Liz has been not unlikable this season but less likable certainly and has been you know very selfish at times um and especially with Kyle and I think if you sort of I mean you guys talked about it in the last episode as well her her sort of feeling a little bit lost or seeming to feel a little bit lost because she hasn't really 
had a good footing. She hasn't been at home around her support system and she hasn't really known what she's been doing. And I think a lot of that kind of, in my mind anyway, stems from, from the fact that she, at the end of last season, she felt like she had to choose herself and her, her science and, and this kind of direction at the expense of everything else. And so it's almost like she's retroactively justifying that decision by digging in harder and being more selfish and going harder uh, for this goal that she thinks is, is the right thing for her to be doing. So I think while it has made her, you know, moments of her character a little bit harder um, to watch as somebody who, who loves Kyle very much and, and didn't always like uh, the way he was being treated. I think it was also very much true to the journey that she's on. Yeah. And to, to your point, Katie, I think, um, and we've talked about this before, I, I'm not sure I'm liking this so far, but I think that's the point. I mean, for season one and two, except for some missteps, um like the way she healed she brought Max back to life you know stealing the DNA and all of that but she's been very likable so far like she's she's a badass you know we all love her so I think it's kind of high time that we see some parts of her that we don't like because it just makes the character more relatable I don't know how relatable to how many people she can be you know she's this badass scientists you know whatever but she is relatable in the sense that she has uh contradictions and she she's human you know we can see that in her faults and so I but I do really like the she apologized to Kyle and the Vaporub scene was really cute Liz has seemed like a more well-rounded character so far this season uh, than she has in the past because we're starting to see like flaws and kind of cracks in this kind of golden child facade that she had for a while. Like not that Liz was never called out on her mistakes or anything, but I think, like I said earlier, I think she's becoming more self-aware. And I think that's part of, you know, that conversation with Max or, or Jones, whoever, and the conversation with Kyle. And then the conversation we'll talk about in a minute with Heath, like, I think that that's part of it and it makes her a more interesting character. You know, your main character, your hero doesn't have to be this flawless person who always makes the right choices. Like they can be a little problematic. They can make the wrong choice and still be the hero of your story. I think as well, if, if half the time you see somebody on screen, you're seeing them through the eyes of someone who loves them almost blindly like the way that Kyle did early early in the show the way that Max did early in the show as well think if half of their your view of that person is through those kind of rose-colored glasses then you're going to see them as more of an almost unattainably like perfect person whereas when the relationship with Max falls apart where you start to see her treat Kyle a little bit worse and Kyle start to stand up for himself as well then you start to see okay well you know, she does have flaws. She does, uh, she is selfish at times. And, and um, you know, this is where that comes in, uh, in such a way that, that, you know, it's breaking those relationships and then she has to kind of find a way to make it up to them or, or repair them. All right, we 
are going to move on and we're going to talk about uh, Isabel and the pod squad and Mr. Jones. Uh, I continue to really love Isabel's scenes with Mr. Jones. Um, it's very, you know, you're kind of used to seeing Isabel and Max, uh, their dynamic is definitely different. And I think that, I think that Jones like respects Isabel, which is really interesting. Um, and I loved their their scenes um, with her, like trying to read him uh, was really interesting and kind of just kind of going back and forth with calling each other out. It was a really interesting dynamic to see in the episode. I, th- I thought it was really fun how Isabel thinks she knows everything about this new power that she's had for like maybe two days and which is very Isabel and the fact that it was Mr. Jones who actually told her about the power at all so it was very interesting to see her try and you know be high and mighty about you know about the things she knows about the power and then him being like that's not actually how it works and I haven't told you yet, but that's not how it works. This is actually how it works, which was really funny because she, she had this mono being like, oh, shit. Um, but yeah, they're very interesting. Um, you had down in the outline about Noah as well, which is something that I uh, I had from the last episode when um, Jones got into Max's house and he saw the photo of Isabel and Noah. And I was wondering, actually, if they knew each other. Now, I do kind of want to know more than just one throwaway line. But, you know, um, it would be interesting to know if there's actually a connection that, that runs deeper than that. If they were like maybe allies, that would be very interesting. I hated him in that scene. I... um he sort of redeemed himself later on and I'm sure we'll get to, to that scene, but oh, whenever you, I mean, okay. Shooting the dog last episode was what was one thing. Right. And I think we all felt a certain way about that, but the minute you start to manipulate an abuse victim with their abuser, like you're dead to me. Goodbye. It's over. Um, so the fact that he was being so flippant about Noah, that he was kind of poking her with it and that he seemed to take some enjoyment in that, I was very, very against him in that moment. And I think it took, it took up until he was talking about, you know, killing a a horrible racist for me to almost be like, okay, well, he's not all that. (laughs) Um, but that, that scene, and I don't, even early on when they were sort of casually talking, I was like, why are Max and Isabel flirting right now? Somebody, yeah, I need an adult. <laughs> like I was so uncomfortable. Um, so I didn't, I hated him in that scene, but I can, there's more that I want to know. Um, but that scene just really turned me off of him as a character. And it's so funny because that, I, I mean, I assume that's actually the point, you know, they go back and forth with the, I think writing scenes in which you can really like empathize with them or like see a side of the story. So I was saying last episode, I was starting to actually believe him. And now I'm back to wait a second, wait a minute, it's probably in line. So that is very fun from an audience perspective, I think. I don't think it's fun for the characters at all, but from an audience perspective, it's so much fun to like 
try and understand what you know what part of what he knows is actually using um is he telling the truth is he lying i mean it's so much fun as a character alone <laughs> obviously the rest is what it is i think at it, considering how much we mocked it and made fun of you know howdy partner at the end of last season and how much we were like this is gonna be stupid i think jones is the best addition that they've made since the show started like he's he's a compelling villain without being like outright just despicable like jesse you know i mean i'm sure that jones is, is very bad but he's not just you know you knew jesse was the villain from the beginning like this one you know you kind of have to question it and it makes for compelling television um i guess for the noah stuff like it it bugged me like katie said like it i just have to kind of go with the assumption that maybe jones doesn't know the extent of what noah did to her but like it's still not a good look so i guess we kind of talked a little bit about isabel's growing power and about um you know how she's she's kind of acting like she knows everything about it five minutes in um it is imp impressive i guess that she's kind of learning this as quickly as she is um but i loved that you know, Jones telling her, you know, that the, the yell of the deceit isn't him, it's her, um, kind of like knocked her for a second. She's like, oh, maybe I don't have this completely under control, um, which I'm sure is jarring for Isabel, who always kind of wants to be in control of everything. But also like, girl, act like you've been somewhere before. You know what I mean? Like fake it till you make it. Okay, let's talk about Jones some more because we can never talk about him enough. Um, and his motivations uh when he, we found out that he's the one who killed zeke um his lines about um max's life being worth more than or zeke max's life being worth more than zeke's and that he killed one evil racist to save three good people i would like i hate it but i was kind of like i mean he's not wrong you so. can't argue with that logic he would he he <laughs> did the right thing right so that's where it's like okay you sp i spent anyway the first half of the episode being like man fuck this guy and then the second half of the episode i was like okay make some good points <laughs> i like that he actually went and researched it like he he was like i looked for a person who was bad i did which in roswell considering the current events that he present is not actually that hard like he could have literally killed like half of the town it would have been fine um but yeah the now. interesting thing i think is whether or not how much you want to read into did he purposely do that because he knew that if he had chosen some rando that they never would have trusted a word he said right yep he right is it part of playing them exactly he had to choose the worst possible person for them to buy into it yeah, I mean, I think that that's definitely part of it. If you go with the uh, the theory that Jones is playing them or that Jones is the dictator or, you know, Jones is the bad guy in general, you have to assume that he's smart enough to know that he would have had to pick a horrible person for them to even entertain the idea. And I mean, obviously, I don't think that they would have really, after knowing that about, about him killing Zeke, I don't think they would have even entertained it unless Liz and Kyle were dying. 
you know, if that hadn't happened, I don't know that they still would have gone, gone through with it. So Jones is smart. I mean, he's playing the long game here. It seems like, so. He just seems to be sitting in his court. He knows that these are all like at their core, like deeply good people. And so he's, he's sitting back and waiting for that to get in their way. And so then he can sort of sneak in when the time's right. Right. All right. So Jones healed Max, uh, finally, and maybe possibly body snatched him. We're not sure. Um, but I do like that this whole Max is dying storyline seems to finally be finished because I was bored of it the second go around. Um, and I don't care about Max enough to really care that he's dying again. So I'm glad that we're probably done with that. Um, and then, but it was worth it because it led to a pod squad hug. So I did like that Max consulted Michael and Isabel before deciding whether or not he wanted to be healed. Um, and that just makes, you know, the, the hug finally, you know, I, I think, and it's so freeing that it's Isabel that's like, just, just come here. We can hug. It's fine. We can, you know, show an emotion every once in a while. Um, that was really cute. Yeah, it felt a little bit more earned, I think, just with everything that happened over the course of the, the first few episodes of the season. And, and again, Max's life in danger. Um, I think it'll be, I'm very interested to see who finally figures out um, that Max isn't really Max. And I think it's that dynamic that's going to be what unravels it. Um, so I'm, I'm very, very intrigued to see how the three of them kind of interact over the next little while, because I don't think you're going to get heavy on the pod squad over the next little bit. Otherwise you're going to figure it out too quick. Right. So I think, um, <laughs> it was nice while it lasted, I guess, because I'm not sure that we're going to see them too, too, too much together in the next, uh, next few episodes, at least. I agree. Um, it's, I would love for it to be Michael who figures out that Max is not Max. Cause I think it would be too obvious for it to be Isabel. Uh, Cause she, you know, technically probably knows him better than anyone. And uh, so I would love for Michael to be like, something's not right here. Uh, I think it would be more interesting in the long run for the pod squad dynamic, you know, since, since Michael and Max seem to be closer yeah. now than they were before, you know, because I've talked about it with Amanda, so um, I do want to bring this up. You know that one scene that Michael and Isabel have, just the two of them in Michael's lair um, early on in the episode? And Michael is like, I just decided this morning, I woke up and I decided that I was going to stop drinking and, you know, help people that I love. And I was like, Amanda and I were like, why? do writers of the show keep writing Michael like they don't know Michael at all like when has he ever not cared about the people he loves in the two seasons and a half that we know him and he hasn't been drinking in a long time not as heavily as he was actually ever into that we don't ever see him drinking that heavily actually you know, I think there's a disconnection between what the writers think of Michael and what the audience thinks of Michael and what actually comes 
you know, is portrayed. I don't know if it's how Blamis plays it. I don't know if just how I personally read Michael as a character, but I don't know. That line just fell out of character to me because that's not true. I feel like with Michael, he's the character that um, the writers, I'm not sure... (laughs) I don't want to say that he doesn't under, they don't understand him like we do, because that's not what I mean, but he seems like the character that like they imagine him a certain way and then they write him another. Like they imagine him as this kind of unfeeling, emotionally distant, alcoholic, like cowboy. And he's actually nothing but feelings and caring for other people and trying to be a decent person. And so it's just, it's hard to, like, what we, to me, what we see on screen is not what they're, what they have this idea in their head. It's a good call out, Mick, because I think um, it's almost worth talking about how outside of, outside of the pod squad stuff, which I think Michael had to be there for, he was kind of lift out of this episode. Like he, he didn't really play an integral part of the episode. And I, I thought it was a shame in that first scene um, with him and Isabel when they were, you know, that kind of throwaway line about- I made myself a promise this morning is, I'm gonna drink less tequila and I'm gonna take care of the people who matter. Okay, but give me the day, all right? Let me see what I can find out. What am I supposed to do? I don't know, Michael. Find someone else to take care of. Felt like it should have led into Alex interactions. If you had had more time with Tyler, that would have that would have led itself well to laying the groundwork of Michael and Alex being friends before you uh, explore a relationship again. Um, it just he felt a little bit unmoored this episode. I guess he didn't feel used in a in a productive way. I guess. I agree. Let's uh, move on and we're going to talk about uh, Maria and Kyle. Um, I think Maria is super cute trying to protect her buddy, Kyle. Uh, It's, I don't know, you don't, I don't remember really seeing them interact a whole lot um, up till now. And I like, you know, one would assume that they were friends and friendly before, you know, when Liz and and Kyle were dating maybe back in high school. So it was fun to see Maria just kind of like taking charge. And she's like, I am not going to let you die. And I'm not going to let you die by just hanging around you every second of every day. Yeah, it was. Listen, I think they're cute. I think they could be a possible cute ship if that ever was the case. But um, it's obviously not because they pair Maria with Greg this season, but whatever. Um, I'm glad that halfway through the episode she actually figures out that oh, wait I do have more people that can help me with this I do not have to be the only one um you know when Kyle says okay I understand that you do do not want to leave me alone because you think they're gonna kill me but you're not the only one who has to you know look after me that we have other friends we have other people so you cannot you can go to a protest and I can hang out with someone else you know um I think that's what the point was for Kyle. Um, so I, I like the, that she kind of lets up a little bit halfway through the episode because it was very, that's what, that was the point. But 
I was feeling like claustrophobic with the way she was going about it. So like, Jesus Christ, Malia, let up a little bit. Like, he's not going to drop that at any minute in front of your eyes. Okay. You can, you know, you can take a bathroom break. I, you know, I loved it. And I loved her talking about like understanding fundamentally as a black woman in this, in this city, what it's like to want to make your voice heard and, and, you know, get out and be a part of things. And, and Kyle giving her the permission, like, I'm not gonna, like you said, I'm not gonna fall over on a strong breeze or whatever. So um, yeah, I think that was a really strong kind of conversation. And, and one that, you know, for two people who we haven't had the opportunity to see interact a whole ton together, it informed their dynamic quite a bit. And it was, I think, um, kind of went a long way into my understanding anyway of why Maria was feeling really protective of Kyle in that moment. I let you take a bathroom break and Max tells me you bailed out the law business. I can't let innocent people sit in jail when I have the means to help. If you want to help someone, help me keep you alive. What you just did is going to enrage Jordan further. Of course he's going to be upset, but... But nothing. I'm a black woman in America. Don't you think I understand wanting to stop injustice? Don't you think I would rather be out there inciting change in our town? A vision landed in my head and keeping you from your own funeral on me. You're right. You're right. You shouldn't be babysitting me. You should be out there. I can tell you want to be. Yeah, I agree. And um, Maria and Kyle led to some more Kyle and Michael, which was fantastic. And uh, you got to love that Michael just happened to be there eavesdropping on their conversation. And he's like, oh, man, sit the hot doctor. Um, I just, anytime that we get a chance for Kyle and Michael, I'm here for it. They're so much fun together. Like the way that they just still pretend not to like each other. And I want someone to be like, to shake them and be like, you're actually friends. Cause you don't have a whole lot of friends to interact with that we know of. So just consider each other friends. Uh, I like I like the men sitting bit. <laughs> like, sure, why would Michael not say that? And that is actually Michael is a very protective person. So the moment that it's like Kyle is probably maybe Kyle is dying and Liz at the same time, but Max was there, so Liz was covered. Um, Michael was like, I have to fix this. I'm going to take care of Kyle. I loved it. I love their dynamic so much. It's, I also loved the, what a group that you had at the pony later on, Maria, Kyle, Michael, Greg, and Rosa, like, hell yeah. That's a great group. Top tier. I was, um, I was so excited. Yes. Yes. But also someone, I think on Tumblr pointing it out, I was like, you have, Alex's soulmate, Alex's friend, one of his best friends, Maria was also Alex's best friend, and his brother in a room together. And I know that's not the point of the episode, but no one of them mentions Alex. You know, it could have been a throwaway in like, you know what Alex has been up to this, you know, no one has seen him for like a few days. 
So that was considering what happened to Alex the last time he disappeared for a few days. Like you would think it would be like, oh, red flag. Maybe we should check on him. I mean, not to say that Alex isn't communicating just because we don't see him on screen doesn't mean he's not, you know, like texting Greg or, you know, whatever. Um, But yeah, I was like, can we like mention that nobody's seen Alex? Yeah, no, I know it's not the point. And I know, I know it's not the Alex show, but, and I just miss him for not seeing him for two episodes in a row, but like, it was, it was just fun, funny in a way of, these are all the people Alex cares about. I don't care about Alex where, you know. I think that, and I think to be honest, if there was one thing, because I think largely this season has gone hard. It has been strong episode after episode. If there is one thing that I have felt was missing, it's Alex. Which, I mean, we have to deal with that. You know, it's in his contract that he misses three episodes, like, Okay. And especially because they, you know, asked him for more episodes the last two seasons. So I'm sure at this point they're like, okay, it's in the contract and nobody's like adhering to it. Um, But Alex's presence is missed. And I think that he is more central to the show than a lot of people realize, you know, he isn't a main character in that he's not the pod squad. He's not Liz, but he's important. And he brings a dynamic to the show that you can feel it when it's gone. Yeah. So I really hope he's back the next episode. Yeah. And again, very quick, because this is not about Alex. Alex was in the episode. But anyway, um, I'm glad that he already missed two episodes because that means he only has one episode left to miss. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm glad it was er- early on in the season. So it means when shit gets real, Alex was more probably there. Um, but I think, you know, this season so far and season two, it was very underutilized as a character. Um, even the episodes it was in, it wasn't this season, at least it wasn't in that much or it wasn't that important. Now the, his storyline with Deep Sky, I'm sure it will build up and, you know, we'll learn more about it, but, um, I just miss him. Just miss him. Mm-hmm. He is back next episode. He's got to see. Is, yeah. You know, in the promotional photos, he's got to see with Liz. So that'll be good. Oh, good. Um, while we're talking about a mains man, let's talk about Maria and Greg really briefly. Um, they continue to just be the sweetest. And Greg is so smitten. I mean, can you blame him? But I just, I really love their scenes together. It's just kind of a nice, break from all of the angst and drama and mystery and they're just sweet together and he just loves her and is super cute honestly could just can they just go on a date already like maria just say yes to a date like for fuck's sake Uh. they're already together it feels like they're already together like their interactions Mm -hmm. feel coupley the fact that he got a little jealous about kyle and maria felt a little coupley already so it was like just steal the deal man like you're already halfway there yeah but they are oh my god just outselling every like they're so cute uh so let's talk about the one of the scenes that i have been waiting two years to see uh michael and rosa 
uh, that really, really great conversation that somebody is finally, one of the pod squad, they're finally having this very necessary conversation with Rosa. And I'm so glad that it was Michael. Um, it's been a long time coming. And I think that it was super important for both of the characters. It's the least I can do. We'll go home. I absolve you of your crimes. Hey. Uh, you know, when I was a, a kid, feeling guilty, I used to lie in my truck thinking about what Rosa Orteco would be like all grown up. I always thought if you didn't get to live a life that I didn't deserve one either. And that felt like a fitting punishment. Well, I'm here now. We were scared. And we were stupid. And we should have known what putting you in that driver's seat would do. And I wish, I wish I could give you some kind of justice, but this is sadly the best that I can do. I've never heard you say this many words at once. It's freaky. Not a lot of people get a second chance to make things right. You did, though. Makes me think there's hope for me yet. <laughs> Maybe there is. And hopefully you think with what he said in that conversation, the end of his kind of self-destructive streak as well, or the beginning of the end, at least, right? If you take him at his word that he kind of purposely didn't think that he deserved anything better for a very long time and Rosa being the absolute like kindest most forgiving magnanimous angel that she is kind of releasing him from that guilt then you hope anyway that he can sort of continue to turn over a new leaf that line that he said about um not letting himself have anything because Rosa couldn't have anything that just that killed me because for him to like you kind of you got that sense you know since since season one but to have him acknowledge that you know that like I didn't I felt like I only deserved bad shit because I did this horrible thing I was part of this horrible thing um I really hope that that's a turning point for Michael yeah I agree um and I think, you know, it was so needed because um, in one way or another, Isabel and Max had closure with Rosa and Michael was the one who never got to have that. They never really had scenes in, in season two. And I know we've mentioned on this podcast that we were really missing that, not just for Michael, but for Rosa as well, for her to have that closure because that was one of the, three people who did this to her, you know. All right, so let's move on to the uh, bulk of the episode, which was all the stuff with uh, the Roswell Regiment and um, the murder of Zeke and the rest of the Lopez's and all that. Um, Jordan continues to be the worst. I want to punch him in the face every time he's on screen, which I think is the point. So he's doing a good job. 
like cartoonishly evil and like in a mm. in a in a distinctly unlikable way where Jesse was c- cartoonishly evil in a way that you still liked him right Jordan I would like to like run him over with his own like phallic symbol truck you know he could have been Wyatt I've said this last episode but he literally you could have just had Wyatt be Jordan now I know that you wanted to redeem Wyatt why just keep Wyatt and have him do the horrible stuff we already know he's horrible why do we have to introduce new characters to be horrible to our beloved characters yeah I um I can't every time I see Jordan I kind of think like oh that could have been Wyatt like it's it I guess I just don't and this we're not why it wasn't even in the episode but I just don't understand why they wanted to go that direction with Wyatt to the point where we had to have a whole new character that is Wyatt 2.0 yeah I think I I feel sort of the same way about Wyatt the that I'm feeling about the regiment and the cop plot in this episode which is like you're tackling these huge issues, but you're not giving them the time and attention that they need to be realistic. So you want to unbrainwash someone from being a right-wing QAnon nut job. I think that that's a, you can tell me the story of trying to get somebody out of that, out of that mentality and, and, and undo the kind of brainwashing that happens, right? You can tell that story. And I think that's worth telling and along the lines of kind of Rosa talking to to Wyatt as well about you know second chances and all that kind of stuff that's fine but you can't do it in a 13 episode CW show there's no injection for that in real life and you want to solve systemic racism and homophobia in the police department like good luck again in a 13 episode CW show so it's sort of um you're tackling you're biting off more than you can chew um and I think it's, it's, I think they're going into it, like, look at these noble things that we're talking about and that we're, we're trying to get underneath of and make sure that we're bringing up kind of real life um, things that really happen, which I think you did successfully when you see Kyle going to treat an undocumented man who needs help, right? That's a very successful microcosm of that issue. What's less successful is when you're trying to redeem violent murdering racists and um you know <laughs> the everything that happened with the sheriff calling in the militia and all this uh, this other kind of crap yeah completely agree um i i want to preface this by saying that i think it's there are important issues to talk about um i think you know all the scenes that we got in this episode were important and could have been I think they should have been spread in more episodes now I also do think that um this season did it a lot a a little better than last season's in the way that it built up to it because we did have stuff in previous episodes of uh you know racism bubbling up in in Roswell and you know Max and Anatza and and all of that um and you know Kyle going and treating the undocumented immigrants and all of that um but again it just feels like you have 
you know, before the season starts, you have the 13 episodes in a line and you say that one is going to be the one that we, uh, you know, we talk about um, um, social issues and that's going to be the one that we focus on. And if you think about it, it didn't really have that much plot in the sense of um, storyline for the actual show in the sense of alien stuff, et cetera, et cetera. Which is not to say that what, again, what they talked about isn't important, but it should have been spreading more episodes. Like if you want to talk about it, it's fine. It's important. I understand that. You have a show that's very diverse. You have a cast of people of color who probably themselves want to talk about it. I am, and I, the writers as well. I, I imagine they have a diverse writing room. But you have to use the old 13 episodes to talk about it. You cannot do it in five and have it climax in one episode. And that's the episode that you have the whole, all of the scenes are focused on that. Because it just feels like that writing. It feels like lip service, right? And I mean, to your point, Mick, if you're going to tell that story, it has to be more drawn out. You have to give it more time. But ultimately, that's not the story they're trying to tell. And so I think you have to keep it to these manageable, uh, these manageable looks at the reality of the situation. So things like Kyle treating undocumented immigrants, right? I do like that they are finally addressing the fact that Max is a cop and it's problematic. Um, but it all when they do stuff like this storyline, and it reminds it, it feels like they've got a list of social issues that they just want to check off. And so we've done threesomes, we've done racism. Now we're going to do police brutality, corruption in the police, you know, um, all of these different things. And it's like, you, it's not a checklist. Like these are very important, sensitive issues. And it's a CW show, like not that they shouldn't be addressing them at all, but it's too much. And not only that, but I think the fact that they, they almost started to buy into the Max is a nice cop thing was gross to me. And, you know, that, that scene where he's interrogating those innocent gay farmers who did nothing wrong. Um, and, and they're saying like, let me, I'm supposed to have a phone call. Like, let me call somebody. I don't want to talk to you. And he just keeps pushing, keeps put because in his mind, he's like, I'm trying to help you. But no matter what happens here, Max, like your racist apartment that you're very aware of is going to use what we talk about against me one way or another. So I understand that you're sitting there from a, from a privileged perspective of saying, let me help you. I'm going to come in and be the white savior but you, you can't promise something. You're writing a check that you can't cash. It's ultimately you're outranked by this racist white lady who's going to do whatever she wants. Right. So, um, I think, you know, and his, his conversation with, again, I don't remember the reporter's name, but his conversation with the reporter and her almost, the fact that they made her almost acknowledge that he's like a nice, he's a nice, he's a good egg in the police department. Right. It felt gross and it felt, um, it almost felt like throwing them a bone kind of thing, which I, I didn't love. That line in the scene with um, Lopez and Max where 
Max is like, I'm your friend. And Lopez is not in that uniform. You're not was perfect because that's what, that's the truth. And that's what Max needs to hear. And then going to that scene at the farm with Anatsa and it was just this very weird, gross kind of not all cops are bad shtick. And it just, it came off really skeevy and, and Max is, Max at his core, I do believe is a good person. Okay. But he is a member of this institution that is rife with systemic racism and brutality and and that the the line where not to ask him how he could put that uniform on every day i'm like yes like you want to make a difference you don't have to be a cop to make a difference like and especially because he wasn't a cop at the end of season two so at some point he went back to this institution that he didn't have to <laughs> i mean no he couldn't have been a bartender at the pony forever but he didn't have to do this he has chosen to continue to work in this department especially with sheriff valenti gone that is is corrupt and racist i mean that's that's the choice that he's made and so to have him kind of have that conversation with a not so or he's like oh we're not all bad what well, that's it's gross yeah, and if you if you think about you know, good eggs, air quotes, um, within the departments of police, that's all fine. I'm sure there are you know, and I'm talking about, I'm talking from the perspective of someone who sees most of what's happening in America from an outsider's perspective. We do not have that much police brutality in Italy. It, there is, but it's not on the same level. Um, but, you know, I'm sure there are good people within and people who actually, like Max says, want to help, want to be, I don't think heroes is their right word. They keep, they keep using the word hero. I just think, you know, people who want to help other people, which is all perfectly fine. But the moment that you know how your department works and, you know, the people around you are not good you know they're bad people they're racist they're bigots they're you know all of those things max is not actually doing anything besides being a good person himself to change the department and it's a very small department it's not like you know and he's been there a long time you know i i would think that he would have a little more you know kind of push to kind of you know more of a voice than the deputy who we never saw before we've never seen him before who the fuck is he the state of this country and its relationship with police right now as a as a cop his inaction is making him complicit and that is hard to look away from for him as a character you know we live in a country where if I see police pulling over a person of color, you sit there and watch them because it, because the, the culture here with police is so rife with, with racism and hatred and brutality that, yeah, I'm sure there's good cops out there, but you don't know which one that is. And so to have Max be a cop and 
continue to be a cop without really making any any actions to to change what's happening that it just it it makes him a worse character yeah and And that that line that he's I've never watching this show I've never had a moment of like you know when you get really hot because you're so angry all of a sudden I've never had a moment like that until he said that line about yeah they still call us at 3 a.m because that's your fucking job my guy like I'm it's not in your job description to to beat the shit out of racial minorities but it it kind of is to respond to emergencies and stuff so like sorry if there I don't have a ton of of um empathy for your (laughs) your kind of situation here yeah and we have no other choice yeah when something goes wrong we have no other choice but to call 911 and like it's not like there's an option to call for like a social worker or, you know, just, uh, you know, there's, we have no option at 3 a.m. If something's wrong, we have no option, but to call the police. So yeah, I was going to mention my that because I think Amanda brought it up on Tumblr or she said it to me, but exactly. Like that's the one number that you can call. Like I know in Italy, for example, we do have different numbers for like firefighters. Um, there are a couple of different different uh, like types of police if that makes sense like one is military one isn't one is whatever and then like just the ambulance um so you have options um but yeah I don't see you know you know what I don't see well I guess I see it from like maybe they had from a writer's perspective someone above them say you cannot say all of the you want to say but you know from how the show uh you know set it itself up to be in the first two seasons i would not think that they can keep being um keep playing the two sides because that's kind of what they're doing you know like you have to be more clear about which side you actually support because otherwise it's gonna be this kind of like yeah they're bad but not all cops yeah they're bad but not all cops it's kind of this back and forth I almost wonder just based on the kind of performative type things they've done in the past I almost wonder if they're going down the road of Max is going to end up as interim sheriff at some point and try to rehabilitate the department and turn things around I really can see that happening as as sort of a solution to the current sheriff situation i think it has to be either that or it culminates with max resigning i think it has to be one of the two i think that i think that by the end of this season or the beginning of next season that's going to be one of two he's either going to be sheriff or interim sheriff or he's going to not be a cop i don't see how it can continue to go the way that it it's been going um and especially because I, I'm not sure where they're going with the new sheriff. Like at sometimes she seems like horrible and racist and uber conservative. And then sometimes she's like, it seems like she's just trying to do her job. And so it's like, mm, like, where's that going? Like, obviously that deputy is just a racist dick bag. Like, it's like, that's just who he is. We're, we've got that. But her, like, I just, it makes me wonder where they're going with that. 
like she has to be awful at some point right like I don't know I think that like like Mick said it's like she keeps like they keep flip-flopping back and forth you know so are are these bad cops or are these not bad cops like you have to choose I think she's just just playing both sides like she's just yeah. playing what fits the situation best which I think she's gonna be a problem at some point more than she was in this episode like very clearly um yeah the deputy racistic back number one number two like you can just don't even give them names like that's the call list I don't even know in the cast cartoonishly villainous right Mm -hmm. all right let's talk about the return of everyone's favorite dad Arturo we finally got him back five episodes in and I just I love him he's he's such a good dad and he's such a good person and like he but he's so kind of like I was like you're kind of dumb you just got your visa and you're gonna go out and protest like I mean I respect you and I love you for it like you're the best but I mean Rosa had a point it's not like the best idea you're not a citizen yet (laughs) I have to say something like respectfully they had automatic rifles pointed at you and you came at them with a fire extinguisher. <laughs> Use what you got. <laughs> it, it was a little bit far-fetched, um, but I was very happy to see him back. I, yeah, his scenes were, as much as you were kind of like, you almost took Maria's position in that moment to be like, why are you putting yourself in danger like this? Um, let's go sit on the couch and watch some TV or something. Um, but you also have to respect that he's, he's, he is a virtuous, like moral, deeply moral person who is sticking to his character. Right. So. Well, and you have, think about everything that he's gone through, all of the racist attacks and, and hatred that's been thrown at him by the people in this town. And he couldn't do anything about it up until now. And like, whether or not it's the greatest idea for him to do it now, um, like the fact that he's, he's willing, you know, he's like, it's worth fighting for because he's been on the receiving end of all of this for presumably decades, probably as long as he's been in this country. And so I just, I love him. Yeah. And I mean, he's also, you know, he's very much what they're protesting for. Like, I mean, they're protesting to get racists away from immigrants you know and which is he's what it is and so he's protesting for himself he's protesting for his daughters um and i love that yes he could have kept inside um and he, if they they had gone that route um i would not have blamed him but despite even that aside he opens up the diner to other protesters to help them organize and stuff. And that would have been like, I don't say that's almost enough, you know? So it's even more to his character that he actually wants to go out and protest. Um, so I love him. I love the scenes with Rosa. Um, I just love him. Um, I, I do want to have him for more than like one episode every four or five episodes, <laughs> you know? Can we address that another god tier group of people is Bert, Arturo, Kyle Valenti, and Gregory Maines? 
greatest. Great. The only men who have rights. I would like to see a weekly poker game with those four. Um, and I do want to say that scene with Arturo and Rosa where the regiment was threatening them. I am so glad that it was Arturo with the fire extinguisher because when I saw the fire extinguisher coming, my first thought in my head was, oh my God, it's fucking Wyatt. Like, it's Wyatt coming to protect them. And so when it was Arturo, I was like, Phew, okay, thank you. Um, so let's talk about Maria and Rosa going to confront the regiment with uh, Anatza and the Lopez's. It was great. I'm not sure how that plan exactly came about because we didn't see it, but it was, it was interesting. I liked watching Marie and Rosa kind of be the heroes. And um, <laughs> the first time like when they have the scene at the pony where they're like, we should take out like the head of the snake. I was like, oh my God, they're gonna fucking kill Jordan. <laughs> You're gonna kill them. I was like, oh, this actually makes more sense. I was on board with I was on board. I was like, just kill yeah, them. let's do it. But I that like, would not have been very in character for either Rosa or Maria, or have pan out well for them, which it kind of didn't for Maria either. Anyway, um, no, that was a great scene, though we don't really know what the plan was. It kind of I just think they win. They're like eh. You know, let's see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a great idea to, I think that part was an outsider, but I think it was a great idea to stream it. Um, I, for that scene and for the scene with Rosa and Arturo, which we just talked about, I cannot imagine what it must have, what it might, it must be like for people to just have people point rifles at you randomly like it's something normal and I'm very aware that it's probably something that people of color a lot of them go through um often um or at least like it it has happened you know it happens to them um so like all of the stuff that we've talked about before and we always talk about um I'm always very aware and I think this episode may be very aware which is why I think I was uncomfortable with it as like while I was watching it which was the point you you know as a white person you're supposed to be uncomfortable um but you know as a white person I was I was uncomfortable because I was like those are not things that we're or I am used to um be confronted with uh or have to confront so to their, um, you know, um, to their point, it's just, it, they did a, a good job of having, you know, I think the audience have to confront it. I still think they should have taken more time with it. But um, again, that was a very powerful scene, I think. Um, so good on good on Rosa, good on Maria for doing that. Good on Anata. I love Anata. Have I mentioned that in like the all the recaps that we did? I love her. I love her. <laughs> That scene of having a racist white man with a semi-automatic rifle complaining about how hard his life is and how nothing's catered to him in front of two women of color. And Maria's just big fuck you energy, that whole scene. I could not have been more in love with her. That's like, oh, it was, it was, she was perfect. Mm -hmm. And obviously I am 
not a person of color. I have had an AR-15 pointed at my face. It is not fun. Even if you know that it, that, you you know, they had, they had backup, you know, with, with the Nats and the Lopez's, like, it's still like, it's a very jarring <laughs> moment. And uh, so I, they played it very, very well where, you know, you're like scared, but you don't want to show that you're scared. And I just, they were the perfect two to have in that scene. Yeah, because right. I mean, with anyone else, he wouldn't have held the same stakes, right? If you had, say, Michael go there, which I think it would have done, as no way Mark Michael as a character, but you would not have been as scared for his life because you know they would not have shot him because he's not a person of color. You were in that moment. I was scared. You know, you we didn't know starting off the scene that they had backup in you know in Anatsa and everyone um and even them knowing that they had that backup it was like well what if they shoot you before that you know so it was it, it is I assume it is terrifying you know and it was terrifying to watch so well done for that yeah right, let's talk uh really quickly about uh, the end of the episode with Maria and Kyle. I am not super sure why Kyle was sneaking into Max's house. Maybe I missed something. Um, and he was going to go check up on him, right? I guess. Well, why don't you just knock, dude? Like, <laughs> and he just happened to know where Max's hide key was. Like, It's like they want me to ship them. Sorry. Okay, fine. Twist my arm. I'll do it. <laughs> um, and then so presumably something has happened to Kyle and now Maria's unconscious. I saw someone say she was going to be in a coma, but I mean, she just looked like she'd been knocked unconscious. She looks out in the prom- promotional photos for next episode. There's a scene with Isabel, Liz, um, and Rosa around her hospital bed and she looks KO'd. So I got it. Oh yeah. For a moment I was like, oh my gosh, she's dead, but she was breathing at least. So (laughs) let's hope for the best. But um, do we think what I got from it is Kyla's being kidnapped? Am I wrong thinking that? Like I don't because I I did not get the last scene at all. I was like, what 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 happened? What happened? I mean, one would only one can only assume that he's been kidnapped, right? I mean, he's not there with Maria. And oh, my theory, updated theory <laughs> for this episode. Um, I think because we saw blood on the floor, right? And again, I haven't watched the, the episode, but we see very clearly that Kyle puts down his bag, and I I don't think the bag is there when is it max that comes in to see or max <laughs> air quotes max who is jones. it that comes in to see maria jones yeah jones yeah max yeah. or jones whoever is in that body um but anyway he comes home and i don't think we see the bag um so my theory right now is that kyle killed the dude from the regiment who was there which I assume is not Jordan since Jordan was in jail. 
um, and that he ran. And they're going to have to cover up that murder because Cal did it. The only thing is we don't know anyone else in the regiment well enough for them to be that integral to the story unless it's Wyatt somehow. Right? Hmm. But then well, they did mention that Wyatt, I mean, not Wyatt, sorry, that Jordan wasn't going to spend very much time in jail. Maybe he was already out. Well, we see him very clearly be in jail while that stuff is happening. So I it doesn't mean that his, that his mayor parent didn't bail him out. Well, yeah, but the th- two things like they show him in jail and then they show Max's out, Kylie Max's out. So I think there are two, the two things that are happening at the same time. So I would assume. I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. I still it think also, that this is... Oh, no, go ahead. I don't know, because in this theory, it doesn't make sense that, you know, I would assume that the whatever is from, you know, the regiment dude knocks Maria out and then he's either injured or and by Kyle and then Kyle runs, but he wouldn't leave Maria there. So I don't know. I think that Kyle has been kidnapped. I think, as much as I don't want this, uh, I think that Kyle's going to die again um, by the end of the season. Um, so, I, yeah, I think he's been kidnapped by the regiment. I, I think he's going to die. Cause, but now it would be too obvious if it, was, if it was actually Kyle. Would it? I mean, because now you think that you kind of sidestepped, you know, he, they saved him. Um, yeah. Is it too obvious or is it just completing the narrative that you've set up at that right. point? Right. Right. I don't know. I'm so confused. Um, so while we're talking about that, does did I miss something or do we know what that explosion was? No. That we Max was driving from. Okay. Uh, so I watched my- the episode twice and I was like, uh no clue. I did not remember there was an explosion, so. Yeah, Max or Jones or whoever is driving away from it. But, and then he like, he, did he turn around? I he don't must, know. He did he something. back there in a hurry, right? Yeah. But I mean, was that even his house? What was the, oh, I don't know what was going on. But um, I mean, I, I'm assuming that Wolf, they didn't, you know, spend money on an explosion for no reason. So I'm sure we'll find out. Um, and let's talk um, about that scene with Isabel and Anatza because I was here for it. <laughs> like, I know she slept with Max, but can she be Isabel's love interest instead? I would love that. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, well, we did weird stuff with the relationships before, so why not? They have chemistry. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Anatza seems open-minded. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I- could definitely be here for them. Um, and finally, we've uh, missed talking about this when we were talking about Liz. Uh, we need to talk about Liz and Heath and how Liz, you know, we, she seems to be learning and becoming more self-aware, but not before she completely destroyed another dude who was devoted to her. And I just, I want to wrap Heath up in a blanket and just hug him. Like, poor dude. Like, you didn't stand a chance. And, but what she did was cruel. Like, I understand gonna, why she did it, but. I'm going to say something controversially upright. Heath has big Steph energy in that 
I mean, he's very hot and he's very sweet. But what is he adding here other than to keep Liz busy while the rest of this stuff is going on, right? I think he, I'm, he was nice to look at um, and he seems like a nice guy. But so that was, that part was different from Steph, definitely. But um, otherwise, like, I'm glad that he's, he's seemingly his part of the story is over because it was just, if nothing else, in the same way that Steph was for Kyle last season, it was just a, a way to keep her on an island by herself. Yeah. All of this stuff between Liz and Heath could have happened in two episodes. It could have happened, you know, he could have figured out that she was using him the first time around. I did like the conversation that they had. Like, I, I did like the fact that he's calling her out and, you know, standing up for himself because I'm like, finally, dude, like, <laughs> I mean, she's been using him for four episodes. You know, come on, wake up, wake up. But he could have done it, you know, they could have had the conversation in episode one, two at the most. And she could have figured out that she wanted to leave Generex in episode two, like, and just stay. But then we Roswell. would have been complaining that that storyline with her in LA wrapped up too quickly. Like, we'll, okay, but she could <laughs> we'll never just, be pleased. She could have just stayed in Roswell after episode three. Like, last episode, it didn't make any sense that she was back in LA. Um, I mean, I guess he just served his purpose of driving Liz back to Roswell where she was compromised. I don't know. Other than that, I just feel bad for him. Like, I understand no. that he was a temporary character. I just feel bad for him. Yeah, I do. I, I, and I, yeah, that's why I like him standing up for himself finally after four episodes. Um, and just another person calling Liz out because, you know, just there's a learning curve like she's had people call her out throughout you know the five episodes that that we had um and starting again from last season um in the finale but she's not gonna learn and I should she's not gonna curse correct in like the span of one night you know she's still gonna have she's still gonna make mistakes um uh, because that's you know that's part of her personality that how she acts that you know so she's still mm -hmm. gonna make mistakes and that she's gonna learn from them so i think that still showed in a good way that maybe she's learned not to do it with the people she loves but he she doesn't care that much about i mean he's a friend to her but he she doesn't really he's not on kyle's level or max's level you know um right so she's still not gonna totally, think what he made it very very clear that she is a colleague yeah can you but blame yeah. him mm -hmm. i don't know did i miss something somewhere where they got really serious because it was like, they slept together once one time bro like it, can maybe take okay. like the breaks sure. my like you know I know again so it, it makes sense that she would not think twice about you know during that time while she would maybe have some remorse of doing it with someone else so uh. I think if you think about the the moral of the lesson I guess that she was supposed to get to through her whole journey with him was that she was always going to choose Max and that maybe that wasn't the healthiest thing and they need to work on that right 
it didn't need five episodes to get there. <laughs> and I think you probably could have done it in a different way. Um, really where you didn't necessarily need him. Um, I'm not begrudging him being around. I just think, I think he's more like a Steph adjacent character than maybe most people are willing to admit because he's cute and nice, right? Fair. All right. Uh, finally, uh, we're going to talk about our favorite parts of the episode. Mine was, of course, that Michael and Rosa scene. Was so good. Been waiting for it. Uh, uh, Flam and Amber did a great job. And it was, it was just really great. Made me happy. Yeah, I think I have to agree. Um, <laughs> surprising none. Uh, but um, either that or Arturo. I just love him. I'd say Kyle everything. Kyle not going out without a fight, very sexy. Kevlar, Kyle, very sexy. Glaring down the guy who murked you with big dick energy, very sexy. Paying the bail for innocent gay farmers, very sexy. I just think he was, he outsold this episode. We do love our King Kyle around here. Hell yeah. All right. So that was our recap of 305. We will be back next week to recap 306. Uh, in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at Queer Alien Blast. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>